you are being watched. The government has a secret system. A podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude, and our new recruit Anna. What's up, bitches? It's season four. Samaritan's out to kill us all. How you doing? I'm so happy we're in season four. I love season four. This is like... It starts off with a couple of bangers. Season yeah. three and season four are like... To me, the the rich nougaty center of yeah. the delicious <laughs> the delicious seas seas soft center candy that is person of interest. I um, think it is the show. I, I think I think this is the point where the show is at the peak of its powers. Yeah, like season four, season for three, sure. yeah. season three is like the is uh, we're we talked about this at the season three wrap up, but this is the final stretch that because of the way that season five was cut short and basically given a half se- was in mid production, given a half season oh, order. Fuck. Wow. Um, um, yeah, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like B five where there was a flip flop over like how long it is, or they find out like, like at the end of season four, okay, you're only getting 12 episodes to do this. Mid production, they found out that their episode order was cut. Well, at least, at least, at least, you know, it wasn't like HBO, you know, wiping the fucking server so that we didn't get any season at all. Speaking of which, R.I.P. B5 on Jesus Christ. Uh, HBO Max. We're sorry, listeners. Yeah. Um, if you want to watch B5, I fucking got nothing for you. Apparently, it's going to be moved to some other streaming service. One of those like free with ads things. Yeah. Burn it with yep. fire. Yeah, season four fucking slaps because this is where the show has fully realized it's what it wants to do, which is to Mm -hmm. be a show about AI gods doing battle and is narratively unleashed. Your god and mine will do battle. Yeah. (laughs) And, And not only that, a lot of the, like, not the premise of the show, but, like, a lot of the details have shifted in terms of, like, They've been, for the last three seasons, like, they've been able to rely on, like, Harold's infinite wallet to Mm -hmm. give them power. And they don't have that anymore. Like, that they're, you know, I I find it really interesting that they're essentially, like, even as the scope of, like, the scope of the stakes has increased, the scope of what they can do has decreased. Yeah. There's... It feel, it's like it's a subtle genre shift, but it's like the I mean, we were talking about this before, but it's it's sort of like the burn notice thing where like instead of like, oh, hey, we're giving you the best equipment possible and we're order we're like, you know, we're ordering an apart. You know, we've got like three apartments for safe houses. It's like, no, we're duct taping some shit together. Yeah, well, it, it's it's it has shifted from a uh a wealthy man running a procedural Mm -hmm. to an AI apocalypse show, which is what the right, which is what second best Nolan has really wanted to do the whole time. And I really appreciate that. Wait, 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 what's our rankings now on Nolan's? Well, (laughs) Jonathan Nolan is number two. Are are we really putting murder like international assassin Nolan at number one? I don't know which Nolan is number one. I think I would, but I would, I think everyone would agree that Jonathan Nolan is number two. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna say that Uncle John is number one. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I'm not putting a murder. I'm not putting a paid killer above like guy who gave me person of interest. I'm no matter how cool paid killer is. Oh, sorry, alleged, alleged, <laughs> alleged paid killer. I'm just saying that Jonathan Nolan ranks solidly at number two, and that his brother is not number one, even though he did. 
create an, an atom bomb's worth of explosion with, with conventional explosions. I also, admire that. Are we, are we including spouses in this discussion? I have no idea. Sure, um, sure. Uh, wandering Why not? Off the topic in the first five minutes. The because, old bad pod way. I mean, because so Jonathan Nolan's spouse is Lisa Joy, who did bird, who who did who did pushing daisies and bird notice. So Ooh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Tell you what, we'll take this to one of the social networks that's alive, and we will discuss the, the rankings of all the uh, Nolan adjacent individuals in in TV and film. Uh, but for tonight, we have two episodes to talk about. Uh, the first and second episodes of season four, Panopticon and Nautilus, which gets some pretty different pronunciations this episode, if you listen carefully to it. Yep, and I'm going to be taking Panopticon, which is written by Eric Madden and Greg Plegman, directed by Richard J. Lewis. Lewis. Our season starts with a journalist who is researching artificial intelligence getting whacked by a Samaritan agent in Budapest. Senator Garrison back in the States questions Greer about Samaritan, and Greer shuts him down, saying, Yeah, it's ours. Suck it. And you're paying us. Double suck it. Samaritan is now in full swing. Let's check in with our team. Shaw is presently working as a perfume girl in a department store. Root checks in on her as she's being miserable and tells her to trust the life the machine gave her. John (laughs) is an undercover cop in narcotics, will herald this professor. Fusco and John end up working on a murder together, uh, and Fusco starts asking why they haven't been saving people. Why have the- Fusco doesn't know about the numbers, but he's basically asking why have the numbers stopped. Shaw and Reese meet at a motivational speaker's presentation, and John and Shaw argue about their new lives. And then a payphone rings, giving him their first number in months. John meets with Finch and tries to convince Finch to work with them, but Harold is running scared, refusing to trust the machine and doubting. Harold is greatly paranoid, rightly believing that Samaritan is watching everything. Oh, right. We have a number. Like, there's an actual number that we need to talk about, not just drama. (laughs) Um, Ali Hassan, who is an Egyptian immigrant who runs an electronics store. Hassan is supplying communications to a gang, the Brotherhood, and is being threatened to set up a closed uh, network that the police cannot tap in 48 hours or else. Ali uh, hands hands off a phone to one of the gangsters, Link, and John realizes that it's a bomb. John saves the gangsters from the bomb, and they arrest Ali. John finds that Dominic, the leader of the Brotherhood, wanted Ali to create this private network. The gangsters kidnap Ali's son, and Link tells him that he's got until midnight to set it up. Or else. (laughs) John calls Shaw to get her help, and Shaw balks, worrying about their cover. John goes. John decides to go to grenade launcher mode, hits up a bar owned by the gang, and Shaw shows up to knock him out. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Root shows up at Harold's office, trying to convince him into action, telling him that this is a war. Harold refuses to believe in the significance of one or two lives in the face of spirited, but Root asks him to trust the machine and that every life is important. John convinces Shaw to help uh, to help him out with the gang, and when they go to visit Ali, Finch shows up to offer assistance while with uh, Hassan's wireless network. John goes to visit someone for backup. Oh my God, it's Elias! It's been so long, buddy. <laughs> I know we we haven't seen him since Carter's death, right? Yeah, we have not seen him in like twenty episodes. Wow. It's, it feels. Huh? I, I saw the. I saw the like guest starring Enrico Colantoni. I was just like, "Fuck yes, fuck yes." <laughs> um, Elias reveals that the midnight deadline is because a huge shipment of cocaine, the whale, is coming. Uh, is not going to be, to be pedantic, arriving but it's tonight. Heroin, not cocaine. Oh, it is. Oh, I wasn't paying. I honestly, unless somebody it's is white ingesting- bricks, it doesn't matter. I'm yeah. just like I said. It's I'm being pedantic, but. <laughs> I, unless somebody is ingesting the drugs, I do not care about them. John, needing help, offers to hire Elias and his crew. Harold helps Ali and finds that the network of his piggybacks off old VHF antennas covering the entire five boroughs. Harold is able to fix the network and bring it online. Hassan calls Link to get his son back, but Link refuses as he's busy with the shipment and just decides to like that they're going to murder both the son and the dad when they're done. 
They use the network to find the location of the drug shipment, and the gang ambushes them. Scarface hits the gangster's car with a dub truck, which is a it was a fun like little reversal of like, oh wait. Well, yeah. It's such um, a nice moment. We'll talk about it, but it's such a nice moment. John breaks in and splinter sells his way through the house and rescues Lily's son before the cops show up. As things are cleared up, the Samaritan agent from the intro shows up and is just generally very suspicious of the entire thing, like, hmm. John and Harold meet, and Harold provides John with a number of phones on all these closed network that Samaritan cannot trace. Harold suggests that he might be open, more open to connecting and working on the numbers. Root convinces Shaw to go on a coffee date, not with her. I know, what? And Fusco has a new partner, a narcotics detective who got promoted to the homicide task force. Oh, fuck, it's John. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, uh. Shaw's coffee date, meanwhile, turns out not to be coffee, but a job offer as a wheelman for a criminal crew. Her enthusiasm when offered the wheelman job, it's like... Asking if a kid wants to go eat a bunch of cotton candy and jump into a ball pit. It's like, it's so unfettered joy at being offered to do something awesome. Like, it's Uh, very good. Yeah. Harold is presented with his dissertation, which is rife with typos uh, that seem to have been generated by the machine. And finds that all of the marked typos spell out a library stack. It leads to a book and page that shows old IRT subway tunnels off the grid in a possible new base. What a start to the season. What a great season opener. A great episode in general. Uh, A really great way to integrate the numbers back in. Um. So many good scenes. Uh, so I, many good scenes. I love the switch from that that now they're not only getting irrelevant numbers and probably potentially also relevant ones, but they're also getting numbers that have things that they need too. Like the machine yeah. is pointing them toward resources. Yeah. It's about survival too. You, you see yeah. you see the the plot with Ali and it's like we can see it before Harold does of like the machine is showing you how you can communicate. The machine yeah. is giving yeah. you this. One of my favorite scenes in this whole episode is when Root visits Finch at his office. Mm-hmm. And he is just being such a fucking bummer. And she yeah. is like, you taught me that every life is worth saving. And I am going to fucking slap you around until you wake up and realize that we are at war. And that these lives are worth fighting for and you need to get off your fucking sad ass and get it back in the game. What a reversal, right? Oh, I know. Delightful. It's such a, it is such a sterling moment of character growth for Mm -hmm. her because this is the bad code. Yeah. Character who has now come around largely because of Finch's influence and the machine's influence and has now become this, this, this this person that has believes this stuff. Yeah. Believes that these people are worth saving and is now pushing Finch to remember that he believes these things and to fight for it. And also to flirt shamelessly with Shaw at oh every my possible opportunity. Oh my God. What? <laughs> I mean, what? Wow. The the like, can you put this lipstick on me? Whew. Whew. They're not even trying to be subtle. About <laughs> I know, it in right? This, in this episode. Uh there is shameless, shameless flirting happening here. It's very good. It it feels like every time we see them together in that like department store cosmetics counter, it's like it feels like they're like five minutes away from just fucking on the table. I mean, it's 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 like every one of those scenes looks like the direction has been that. Um, like it's now memeable image of like the like the gal holding the like the girl holding the other girl down and like applying makeup to her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love I, it. I ha- I have the w- question of who's going to be applying makeup to whom though, really. Like I don't care. <laughs> true. Yes. <laughs> but it's oh those have truthfully probably root to Shaw because I don't I feel like at this point Shaw is not quite to the the other way around, but um, I just, I love their dynamic and I love that as Root has settled into her 
new role, she has gotten more confident in just like openly hitting on Shaw. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I also love the scene between John and Finch mm-hmm. where he's trying to rally Finch as well. And he's he he hits Finch with the like purpose line because mm-hmm. that has yeah. always been John's thing is that Finch gave him purpose and right. a reason to keep living. And now he's swinging that back around at Finch. Like it's more than about, you know, it has to be about more. It's about, you know, purpose. Right. And that's uh, the fact that Finch doesn't even flinch, if you'll pardon the the <laughs> rhyme there uh, at it really shows you how like shell-shocked or i don't know depressed i don't know what to finch is a we- in a weird place he in is, these last few episodes yeah i think i think what it is is that he is somebody who lost a faith he didn't even know he had right that's a really good way of putting it yeah yeah that this entire and, this entire time yeah. he's been living under the delusion that the machine would identify threats and then those threats would be you know non-violently apprehended and everything would be fine and like despite seeing john operate for (laughs) all this time he did yeah you know this is i don't think it ever crossed his mind that that i think it's bigger than that i don't think it's necessarily that he thought that there was no violence involved yeah i think it's that he never thought that the machine that i don't think he thought I think a big part of like season two and season three was Finch's Finch refusing to acknowledge exactly what he built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Refusing to acknowledge that what he had created was true artificial general intelligence. And yeah. I think the machine telling him to kill someone or else there would be another artificial intelligence that it would have to go to war with was a moment where he was forced to reckon with the enormity of that because you can't pretend that it's just this quirky th- program you wrote that like mm-hmm. looks for da- people in danger when it's telling you to kill someone. And I think that was a real reckoning moment for him. And that was a turning point for him. Yeah. And now there's another AI that he didn't create that's even worse yeah, the one that is incredibly aggressive and proactive. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's seeing now the sort of reflection of, of how the machine could have behaved. And I think he's wrestling with the ways in which he's failed and the ways in which he's failed to cope with it. And I yeah, I think a loss of faith is actually a really good way of putting it. And and like beyond that, you know, Finch is a creature of habit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to have his life upended like this. Or a creature of, of maybe not habit so much as like control. He likes yeah. to be in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. He likes to be the one that knows what's going on and controlling the variables. I'm a very private person. Could almost be translated to like, I'm a person that likes to be in charge of all the information. But I, I feel mm-hmm. like Finch is also a person who like very much like has routine and like that he had his space yeah. in the library mm-hmm. and like, you know, and his sencha green tea and like I was just thinking about that. Yeah. You know, he follows he follows like routines and just everything in his you know, he's had to go into hiding and all of that has been upended, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which, you know, even without having crisis of faith, shall we say, would still mm-hmm. be stressful. Um, and mm-hmm. also being an adjunct fucking sucks. Yeah, that's well. Is he an adjunct or is he? He describes himself as like a visiting lecturer. The lecturer yeah. means an adjunct. I don't know if that's the same as an adjunct, but yes, I agree with you that being an adjunct sucks. My, my if it wife was is, if it was a visiting adjunct. researcher, then then that would be that would be like you know higher tier. It's but visual, lecturer visiting lecturer. Always, nope. Yeah, I, that's yeah. that's and bottom that office, of the tier. Finch that office is. Way, way too nice for uh, an adjunct, yes. man. The offices that Christine has had as a, as an adjunct, one of them was the size of basically the size of a full bed, like of two full <laughs> beds end to end. How many people did she have to share it with? Three desks with three desks yep. in it. Yep. She shared it with three people. Okay. 
Uh, and yep. the other one was basically, if you imagine the most crowded open floor plan office you've ever been in, she had half of a desk in an open floor plan space at, at uh, Kent State Stark. Yep. Before she went all remote. Like, it's horseshit. <laughs> yeah. So the idea that, like, Finch somehow lands himself this. It has a window. And a, I mean, a big he, wooden apparently desk. Apparently he got, like, a $9 million grant for his study, so. Maybe he just <laughs> bought the building. Maybe. I don't know. Who but. knows? But, yeah. But, you know, that, I mean, $9 million grant for his studies. I mean, he's, he. I mean, once you factor in overhead, man. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the university is going to take uh, about, generally, what, like half? Something like that? I'm not a researcher. I can't speak to that. Yeah. Overhead is a big deal, though. Um, but, yeah, that's that's way too nice an office for an adjunct. Um Yeah. And I was laughing when I saw that. The, the, the number of students at his lecture also says adjunct to me. Yeah. He's got like seven students, six after the girl in the front row figures out she can't sleep with him for a grade. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So one thing I wanted to call out is that like Finch, like Finch at the bo- like at the bottom of his well of shame says that like. I refuse. He's like, I can't see how one or two numbers is can do anything against Samaritan. And Root is just like flip switch of like, I'm sorry, you told me that every life matters. I I refuse this argument. Yeah. Well, and what a fucking absolutely bananas horseshit thing to say. Right. Yeah. Because like Root was a number. Mm-hmm. They intervened. And they changed Root's life, and now Root has saved their lives, and maybe they'll save the world. Like, they have no way of knowing what, what what's going to happen because they saved one number. The machine might know, because the machine's out there trying to do the math on it. But, like, that's why she always keeps saying, you got to trust the machine. The machine's trying to figure out a plan, but yeah, you got to just believe that everybody's worth saving from a purely fucking philosophical standpoint. And from a more practical one, yeah. let them believe that the machine is trying to figure out, like... The path through the morass. And so I just realized something, which is that Finch's, Finch's like lack of faith or loss of faith in the machine mirrors um, what happened to John after Carter's death. He's less yeah. dramatic about it. Like he's not storming <laughs> off and like drinking in a he random he's not, dive bar. Harold doesn't get to have pristine revenge montages set to Johnny Cash. Right. <laughs> Right. But like, like back then, John was like, you know, does it even matter? Or are we just like, are we just, you know, Mm -hmm. pushing the clock forward a little bit and these people will still be screwed, you know, months or years or whatever from now? Yeah. And and Finch is having some of that crisis, too, I think, you know, of what does does do the matter? Do the numbers matter? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think they if he were not feeling like such a sad sack he would know that because the people around him that he has surrounded himself with shaw was a number john was a number before he you know the whole reason he knows about john is because john was a number yeah yeah uh elias was a number like and elias even though he's a fucking banana pants crime lord like has turned out to be a pretty a pretty stand-up dude like i get that he's a crime lord but also He's a pretty dope one. Like, he's not, he's kind of, you know, I think we can safely say that Elias is a good guy. Like, dubious, but good guy, right? Yeah, no, and we will see throughout the season, Elias's Byzantine morality takes us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of him. We Uh, get a lot more of Elias this season. It's been a hot minute. Did y'all notice the intro changed? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it has it's it has, a lot more ominous. Yeah. And it has a <laughs> lot more and, and it has one specific uh, word choice change. We, we are, are being, being watched. watched. Yeah. As opposed to you are being. Also lots of yeah. ominous triangles. Yeah. No, yep. Samaritan is like it like compared to like the junk UI experience of the machine which is built off of a 2001 tech worker uh, cobbling together and thinking nothing about what user experience looks like. 
Samaritan had has aesthetics. Right, yeah. It is pristine. It is clean. There are menacing triangles, baby. I also like the sound design on Samaritan. The ominous, like, noise, like the, the thrum, that, that, it, that it sound effect that they use yeah. when Samaritan is, like, sniper scoping around. With its with its reticles, yeah, and it's got like the like the streaming feeds and stuff. It's very yeah. I love the way that it shifts between cameras, where it's like compositing. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that it's it honestly comes across as far more advanced than the machine. That it's like yeah. able to composite and you know and infer in ways that the machine isn't able to based off the raw data. Essentially, yeah, it's interesting because it was from what we're given to believe about Artie's. Uh, code is that it was is that it was complete but it was probably in a less advanced stage yeah i think the the idea that we're supposed to go with is that it was because it's been given this super advanced processor it's been given room to run and expand and there you go and eventually we will learn about what the machine is presently doing for architecture but yeah (laughs) yeah i think this will be something interesting that we should talk about later in the season in terms of kind of the the way that the two machines were built, that they were built in such fundamentally different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that the destructive way that Samaritan was built, like where it's like if it'll be a race until it survives, right? Yeah, it had like a what a, a per, like a, a kill rate that was built in. Right. I, I feel like that must factor into its for lack of a better word, psychology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean it's not that not that Finch did not implement his own horrible violence into the machine yeah. early life, but he did it at a much later stage in its development. Yeah. He built yeah. the machine and let it get to a certain level of intelligence before he started doing, it wasn't until he put it in a box yeah. that he implemented the the wipe. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the first thing that um, at least, you know, according to my interpretation of what I've seen, so far, the first thing he did was train it to care about people. The first thing he did was ter- train it to care about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what made it smart. Yeah, according to that convert, like uh, bet- from the conversations we we had w- w- when he was talking to Artie and talking to to Root, the breakthrough, the thing that made it intelligent, was teaching it how to how to how to understand and care about humans. That was yeah. the breakthrough. And I don't think Samaritan has that. No, Samaritan was a self... I mean, it, it gained yeah. general intelligence through, basically, through forced evolution, right. through survival. I'll be interesting to see that as shakeout with the season. Yeah. Arguably, Samaritan is probably the more, like, aggre- the more, like, sophisticated or the more... The more yeah. general of the two AGIs. <laughs> Yeah. They are built for two different purposes. Like Harold describes the machine as built as a shield. Meanwhile, Samaritan is an apex predator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. I don't even know what's an apex predator. It's, I mean, you know what? I mean, it's like us. Samaritan, Samaritan is a creature that was, understands what it's like to be hunted until it becomes a pre- until it becomes powerful enough to know the necessity of eliminating threats. Yeah, because that's I think that's the difference. Is it's and that and that's why I think it's going to kill Greer. I think part of it is also like because of its aggression is much more willing to, for lack of a better word, trust and employ. Mm-hmm. Like we have seen that, like Miss Martine. Yeah, our new our new ominous blonde, right? Yeah, um, for John. She, she, it, it's John. Yeah, she she is Samaritan's John, really. Um, yeah, I think she's uh, 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 there's there is a number that she has given of like asset something something. Yeah, she's asset twenty nine. Ooh, like zero to nine, <laughs> and yeah, no, it, it, it's uh, like it, it, this comes up in like a, a point of view thing in like one of the random episodes later the season. But it's just like that entire like there like Samaritan is rapidly gaining assets and tasking for its own purposes. Yeah. Which is something that the machine only did when it was fucking dying and backed up into a corner. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have a weird I know that face for this episode. Shoot. Uh, the guy that is killed by Martine at the start of the episode. Yeah. He probably looks familiar. To me, yeah. he was very familiar. Uh, 
That may be because, as my wife described him at the time, he looks like a poor man's American David Tennant. <laughs> God, that is brutal. Wow. But it's true. Wow. But it's true. Uh, where we actually knew him from, he's his name is Frederick Weller. Where we knew him from was uh, the actually very good show uh, In Plain Sight, where he plays a federal marshal named Marshall, which is the funniest fucking bit of, of, <laughs> of character writing I've ever seen. He also played a young Elliot Ness on the Young Indiana Jones show. Oh, that's delightful. Which is delightful. Also interesting random note about his uh, bibliog about his IMDb page. He also was on the very strange pro incest miniseries Billy and Billy. So there you go. Okay, is there anything that I recognize him from? Because uh, <laughs> oh, he was in Black Klansman. Okay. That was good. That He's was done good. a bunch of stuff. I just, those yeah. are the two things I know him from. Yeah, I'm sure. In, I'm, in, in I'm plain just like, sight, who I know him from? Billy yeah. and Billy, and, uh, you know, looking like a poor man's David Tennant. God. I, I wanted to, I want to talk about the cover identities very briefly because I, I love them. Um, I do. You were uh-huh. close with Barista on Shaw. Of yeah. Like, something that yeah. was designed to make her want to murder. I, I do, in my heart of hearts, wish that John had been a garbage truck driver because that would just be freaking hilarious. But it, Sorry, this one makes no. a lot more sense. He was a side cop at birth. <laughs> yeah. I love, though, <laughs> the choice to make him a cop. I He's like this grizzled love, vice detective. Yeah. yeah. I also love, absolutely love, his uh, the choice to make him... Fosco's partner. So yes. Good. Oh my god. It's a great oh, it's a so great good. way to keep Fosco in there because like otherwise they would have no reason to contact him under the cover identities. I love the moment where Fosco's like, "What is going on? Why are you a co- why are you pretending to be a cop? Why did wh- why did you stop? What's happening?" Cuz and then you have this moment where you realize Fosco still has no fucking clue. Right. What's going on? And he has like he doesn't know about the machine. He doesn't know where the numbers come from. And, and like, and even no at the end of the last it. season, he was like, so, it was like John was like something like you know the saying something about the machine. Fusco's like what? And Fusco, and John's like, don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Um, oh, he's so cool. That moment in in the, in the episode at the very end where uh, Finch is discovering their new soon to be new base. And with the music playing, and meanwhile, uh, John is going into the station and seeing Fu- and meeting with Fusco, and he looks down at his new desk, which used to be Carter's desk, mm-hmm. and he has that moment yeah, where they yeah. sort of silently acknowledge that he's taking Carter's desk is so good. Yeah. Especially with the history between these two characters. Again, the character work in this fucking show is so good. Fusco, who, who remember when he started was such a piece of shit. Yeah. Seemingly. Yeah. And because of John... I mean, he was a piece of got, shit at the beginning. Legitimately. Yeah. And he gets he gets connected. He gets basically, like, drop-kicked out of his out of his rut. This, this, you know, corrupt rut by John and into the path of Carter. And thanks to Carter, he becomes the cop he always... He, he, he wanted to be when he started. Yeah. And now... Carter's gone and now John is is in her desk and it's so full circle and seeing Fusco the character he's become and how how much he's grown as a character in the show and it's just such a nice moment it and really is a nice reminder of how far his characters come and how how much history there is between these two characters mm-hmm. and it's funny because essentially the machine put Fusco in that desk too right like yeah yeah it's great no it's great that the one thing the one that the one thing that surprises me is that um harold doesn't have like you know service dog status of some form for bear yeah because i mean like he he has a like clear physical disability he could be like you know yeah this is my service dog you know he's he's a big strong dog who could you know hold harold up if he were to like stumble or go yeah. for help. Yeah. I'm shocked that they never got him a service dog vest. He had a service dog point. vest in at one point. 
But yeah, they must have like that must have been under one of their other cover identities yeah. or something. When they when they go to when they go to see Rashomon. Yeah. Mm. Also important to point out the new nickname for Reese and Shaw, the Mayhem Twins. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It's yep. so good. I love it. They will be called that multiple times in the series. Love it. Also, uh, two other like things that I want to point out. Uh, when uh, Finch shows up to help Ali, uh, Hassan asks, do you know anything about wireless network architecture? And, and Harold's like, I think you'll find I'm a quick study. <laughs> um, yeah, just a like, smidge. Just a little. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't one time hack the entire self, the entire cell phone network in New York City one time on Gosh. like five minutes notice. Um, <laughs> also, I just, this is a gun thing, but like John, like taking out the gangster in like the drug house and like grabbing a wood framed AK off him. That thing, that thing is like a wood, like a, a, a AK, like it's not an AK-47. It's, it's whatever modern version of it there is because it's been like, Mm -hmm. they've changed the caliber and everything, but putting wood panels on that thing is so fucking expensive. (laughs) Like it's, it's like, we're talking like a multitude, like, because you've like, even the Soviets put good wood on those things and Americans like they didn't, you know, but it's just like. Who has the money for that? <laughs> Stop selling drugs and get into like whatever else you're doing there. Yeah, a very pretentious drug dealer, apparently. My, yeah. my other, my other favorite thing is it's it, also at, heavy. When we're at the start of the episode, we've got the classic thing of somebody making making the you know key mistake of uh, bringing a handgun into close quarters <laughs> combat, and it's just like. No, buddy, buddy, yeah. no. Those things Multiple are... people do that. Yeah. And and at the beginning and then in the bar, they do the sideways holding thing and Reese starts his his monologue about it, and then he's like, nah, fuck it. Wah. He's like, I'm Reese has officially moved to too, too old for this shit territory. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love it. He's just like, really? You're like coming and pointing that gun at me from a foot away and not paying attention? Like Buddy. You gotta do the John Wick thing of, like, holding it up close to you and just, like, so it's like you can't get it dragged out of your hand. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we should probably talk about the next episode, though, shouldn't we? Yeah, let, let's, Especially, let's move we, on. we talked about a lot of stuff from the next episode already. <laughs> yeah. I, gosh, I love this one. Um, so I've got this yeah. one. Um, ep- season four, episode two, Nautilus, written by Melissa Scrivener-Love and Dan Dietz and directed by Chris Fisher. Our episode starts with John trying to prod Harold into looking into a new number, Claire Mahoney, a genius college student with a troubled past. Harold maintains that he's done with the machine and that their covered identities must come first. And John um, starts his new job as Fusco's partner uh, in earnest. Shaw is still working her cosmetics day job and moonlighting as a thief. And Root minds her that she's safe as long as she's like an average thief. B plus, I believe, is is where she suggests she aim for. Yes. Which I love how offended Shaw is by the suggestion that she that she should only be a B plus thief. Right. John and and also begrudgingly Harold are on Claire's trail uh, and discover that she's in the middle of some sort of game, which involves solving solving a series of puzzles spread across the city. In addition to whatever danger the game poses, she's being followed by goons from a private military corporation that she previously hacked. Harold, John, and uh, Fusco also followed the trail of puzzle breadcrumbs to try to rescue Claire, who continues to brush off their attempts to reach out. Claire attempts to be searching for meaning after the death of her parents and hopes that whatever awaits her at the end of the game will provide it. Harold tries to figure out who's behind the game and realizes that it is actually Samaritan, uh, who is recruiting operatives. Samaritan would like a root, please. Uh, (laughs) Root consults with Harold about the situation, conveying the message from the machine that this is solidly in the realm of humans got to figure out their own moral shit. Claire continues on Samaritan's scavenger hunt while John and Shaw protect her from the goons behind the scenes and Harold warns her about the dangers that await her at the end of the game. 
She gets to the end and finds a phone with a message from Samaritan. I will protect you. And her Samaritan view classification changes from competitor to asset. In the epilogue, Harold reports that that the private military corp was also building a competing surveillance surveillance system. So that's convenient. Uh, And Claire has now dropped off the grid. John apologizes for dragging Harold into the numbers again, but Harold has something to show him. A brand new headquarters in the abandoned train station he found last episode set up to be secure from Samaritan. We're back in business, baby. Okay, so we have to we have to like initially discuss why like how jo- John gets Harold in on the number on yeah, this. Yeah. Is yes. that he invites him to dinner at like a, a diner yeah like so they can they can get back up to speed john cancels their date stands him up <laughs> stands him up it's like oh by the way I, I i'm sorry i'm sorry that we i'm sorry that i have to stand you up for a day but i did get you a number babe <laughs> yeah it's like fuck you finches. it's such a such is so offended it's really good it's a, it's a great reversal of like season one yeah yeah uh, it's it's great there's a lot going on in this episode to like. Uh, Claire is a great number because she's utterly uninterested in being helped. Yeah. Yeah. She's Root. She's Baby Root. She's a little root. mini Root. Yeah. Yeah, she's Baby Root. I also really like the uh, the way that Harold kind of gets reluctantly brought into the... Not reluctantly, but the way he's sort of against his... Not even against his better instincts. He's pretending he doesn't want to do this anymore at this point. Right. And he, but he's between falling into old habits and his instinct to protect this girl and his curiosity about the puzzles, he gets dragged in. And I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Claire, Claire, I think is one of the, is one of the more interesting numbers in the series because in reality, like, it's it's the blend of number of the week slash important person, and and she doesn't want to be safe. She doesn't need to. She, the fact of it is, is that like she is somebody who is being manipulated by Samaritan. She is being mm-hmm. actively recruited, and at the end of it, groomed is maybe the best way to put it. Of like she is she she's being brought into an abusive mm-hmm. relationship. Uh, or a, a very strange power dynamic. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, yeah, you've lost everything. Oh, hey, you're perfect for me. Well, and, and I feel like there's also an aspect of, there's there's another dark aspect to it of, like, if my interpretation of the episode was correct, Samaritan essentially sent those goons after her, like, indirectly, right? Yeah. So I felt like there's also an aspect of, like, well, She'll be great if she survives, which is like the Samaritan ethos, right? From what it sounds like is that Samaritan has been doing this across countries. Yeah. Um, and so it is it is trying to get its its numbers up and put it and it does not care if people die in the process. Right. Because yeah. Samaritan is not is not concerned with individual lives. There, there isn't, there aren't irrelevant numbers for Samaritan. Its purpose is, is a societal one. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it doesn't look at people in terms of relevant and irrelevant. Uh, as we see in this episode, it looks at people in terms of, uh, deviant and uninteresting. Yeah. Oh, and what a, a choice of, of word. People. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lot of deviants out there. Holy shit. Yeah. It's like practically like one in three people on the street or something like that are being flagged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which, dang. Uh, I guess I guess it really is reading everybody's, uh, you know, search histories as they're writing fan fiction. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know, I know I've got the red triangle of doom. <laughs> Turns out your incognito windows are not as private as you thought they were. Yeah, what, but what a, what a wild choice of word because it's it's so emotionally charged too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. instead of going for something like you know of interest or like concerning or yeah, no, it is it is as as much as Decima is like we are serving the machine. It is 
we are imposing order through the panopticon. Yeah. yeah. And and like it makes me very concerned about if Samaritan like continues to operate because it feels like this feels like we're at the start the start of like the classic sci-fi trope of the the AI that's finally deter- finally decides that all humans are deviants. Yeah. That nobody is, the, is normal. This is the T plus three months. Just wait until you see what T plus one year looks like. Oof. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a deviant, yep. right? Surprisingly not. But it's going to get, yeah, it's not that it thinks everybody is a deviant, but it's going to get bad. It certainly yeah. gets yeah. worse than it is now. I could I could see like T plus 10 years, say. Well, well, that's, that's Westworld season three. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, but that's Westworld season three. <laughs> All right. Like when we finish this show, we're not going to cover Westworld. But when we finish the show, go watch go go watch the last couple seasons of West of Westworld. All right. I have to get I have to get through season two first, though. Ugh. Jonathan Nolan finished this show. You know, this show got canceled, and Jonathan Nolan just took all his notes for the show, and then decided apparently I'm going to go take a weird cowboy movie robot cowboy movie and just sort of like smeared it on top of his notes for season six of person of interest and was like, well, we'll get him with a cowboy shit and then we'll do season six. I wish I was kidding, but I'm seriously not. I mean, I don't know that that's actually what happened, but that's effectively what happened. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of, we'll say recurring themes and I mean, it's, it's on Nolan's mind and, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what uh, we'll see what he does afterwards. Uh, well, no, sorry. I mean, we, there's even we know what he's there's, doing. There's afterwards. an AI with a weird, ominous name in season three of Westworld. <laughs> sorry, we we do. Know, I, I apologize. We know what Jonathan Dolan is doing next. It is not about killer AI, at least not completely, because he's doing Fallout. Mm, Instead, I'm sure that he, I'm sure that he'll have a killer AI in there. I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of those, but I, I surprisingly like. Jonathan Nolan is like Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy would be like, I would put them in people who like would actually probably know what Fallout is about and not the meme of what Fallout is yeah. about. So, you know, I've, you know, I, one could hope. Fingers crossed. I love, okay, just to loop us back here to, the, uh, to I, this episode that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. When the seat of the car where. <laughs> Samaritan reverses the hack. <laughs> it just made me laugh. <laughs> it's like, and, and we like, gotta have one of these every 10 episodes of, oh no, it's reversing the hack. It's breaking into my system. <laughs> Quick, drive over the laptop. <laughs> oh, rip that la- laptop. Not even 20 minutes out of the sleeve. Yeah. yeah. I really also really like all of the character moments in this episode. For example, Fusco dropping the enormous pile of paperwork on John's desk (laughs) with the biggest, joyfulest, shit-eating grin on his face. My boy has spent to spend three years doing paperwork for for cleaning up his bullshit. And now it is time for revenge. (laughs) It is payback. Oh, it's Um, wonderful. Uh, This is a great Fusco episode, honestly, because he also figures out one of the clues. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 terrific. Yeah, because he because he recognized the music, like he recognized the musical notes. He's like ba 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 da da, and th- and that's <laughs> incredible to get that from to get that ju- from just like the sequence of uh, letters. Which maybe like I mean it might be that like Fusco has like a musical background or something. Yeah. Sort. What what kind of band was Fusco in in high school? I got to say, I think he's classically trained. I think, yeah, like, my, du- my dude is marching band, like... Oh, okay, what instrument did he play in marching band? Oh, uh, I feel like... Okay, so this is, this is like, tuba. Mm, okay. Like, I, I think he's stocky. Like, I know that those people have to be yoked, and, like, he's, he's, he's stocky. I could also see trombone. Yeah. God, th- just the thought of, like, his cheeks puffed up of, like... <laughs> As as another like <laughs> funny image, I'm also kind of imagining him playing the violin, mm. right? Like, mm. yeah, all right. Like you know, he he could do something classy. I like marching band though. I like marching band. Yeah. That feels right for Fusco. 
Because I could see him as a band nerd. Yeah. But he's, I mean, he's got to have, I'd, I'd have to go and like, you know, compare that against a tuning fork, but it's quite likely he must have been on key, which would mean that he probably has perfect pitch or pretty close to just pull that That's impressive. out of, to just pull the pitches out of nowhere. I'd have to, I'd have to check them against a tuning fork because I do not have perfect pitch or even much. On the other hand, I'm closer to tone deaf than I am having perfect pitch. <laughs> Rip. So. Mood. Um, <laughs> uh, there, can we talk about the greatest thing that dates this episode? Please. The guy with Google Glass. Oh my god, yes. Fuck. I was like, I was like, wait. Uh, uh. Remember when everybody told us this was going to be a thing? I and mean, then, supposedly, supposedly Apple is putting out its own augmented reality device sometime in the next two years. I'll probably get it like a sucker. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, me it's, too. I mean, but. Yeah, it was like it was a th- because I was working in downtown Mountain View when Google Glass started becoming a thing. Oh no! Oh Christ! So and, you were like, and let me tell you the, about working in the Mountain center View. of Google Glass. Oh my right god! There. Like, and, and the whiplash of like it only took like three months for like you know people aren't happy when they have a camera constantly pointed at them. <laughs> yeah, you know that the cultural whiplash of that was very nice to see happen so fast. Yeah. As a as a an, a small thing from this episode, there's a couple of things I wanted to call out. The first is that when Claire puts her laptop on the ledge on the observation oh my, deck I, of Thirty so, Rock, I'm like, I started hyperventilating. It gave me I, so much anxiety. I have a huge height anxiety, and like this scene is just like, like I have a like my feet like start aching they tingle so much of like stress (laughs) and and then putting the laptop on the ledge where you're just like it's gonna it's gonna fall it's just it's just gonna fall like talking about it is making me nervous that i hate it i'm sorry buddy (laughs) um the the Uh. other thing that i wanted to call out was um so when when john and shaw come to the the new hideout um bear just goes just beelines for Shaw oh, being like oh. hello with a mother full on butt wag yes with a full on butt wag yeah. not just there's there are tail wags and there are butt the wags. whole dog wags yeah that dog not bear but like that actor dog clearly loves yeah that actress yeah because that is a that is a good dog wag so, yeah. right there yeah I'd also uh like to just say and I don't want to be that guy but I'm gonna uh the Underground train station base uh, has been done before uh, by the Ninja Turtles in Turtles of Time, Ninja Turtles 3. I'm just saying they did a little better, too, but this is fine. I enjoy the the subway. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's a good base. It's not as good as the Ninja Turtles one, which also has some dope payphones and a uh, lantern that takes you back in time, but it's fine. <laughs> On that also, note, the subway car in this one's a lot smaller. Uh, it's a full, it's a full sub, it's a full subway train in, in the Turtle version. There, oh, there's a funny bo- moment in this episode where uh, Rude is talking to some. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's Harold, and it's like Harold or John, and she's dressed as a flight attendant, and like there's a dude thumping in the trunk. And she's like, and she's like, and like, he's like, who's that? Oh, that's my pilot. Uh, good behavior gives you backseat privileges, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Which just is my favorite moment in this episode. Oh, yeah. I love her. She has, she does more very good flirting with Shaw in this episode. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The way she slides into that thing and into the cab of the truck for Shaw and is just like, look, we are very clearly on, on, on the ship for Root and Shaw, but I, they really aren't pretending with no. Root. Yeah. I mean. And Shaw flirts back, like not, at, yeah. not quite as much, but like Shaw does flirt back. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's delightful. It's good stuff. I, just wait and see. I, I'd love to hear the gossip about Shaw in her like day job. <laughs> right? 
And like they're they've got there've gotta be like other people at that cosmetics counter being like Shaw or not not Shaw, but like Sam, it's your girlfriend coming. <laughs> God. Oh. And then Shaw's like, I could kill you with this pencil. I could kill you with this eyeshadow <laughs> brush. Oh my gosh. It is the fact of it is that like yeah, like it's like and like Shaw's probably I feel like Shaw has like freaking like done like a jujitsu takedown of somebody at that job as yes. like, you know, like a yeah. like an abusive boyfriend or something. And everybody's like, what the frick is that? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um let's see, what what else we got here? Um I mean, I just love Shaw's new job. <laughs> yes, it's very. The fact funny. that she gets to like, yes. just, she gets to be the she gets to be the one who gets to enjoy her new life. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting. We haven't really talked about it, but I think it's also really interesting what Root's up to, which is that Root is got the like psychic paper of of new identities. Oh yeah, um, she basically is like the machine is giving her a new identity all the time mm-hmm. for whatever fits the task she has to do kind of like before, except this time it's, we haven't heard the specifics of it yet. Cause I think that like that gets talked yeah, about that, more, in this. but we've seen how we've seen her doing a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. but we, we do get that. Uh, yeah. I think the, the official explanation of, of what's going on there comes later, but we have seen her do a bunch of different things so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she is staying out of Samaritan's radar somehow. It'll be, Looking forward yeah. to seeing how. Yeah. Because the others, yeah, that's the others cool... have to stick to their identity, their their cover. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, UI touch that I think is we see in the first episode, but I know we see in the second one where Samaritan will see, air quotes, one of them. And then slide off. And then it'll, and then it'll like, it'll say like misidentification. Yeah. And it'll flip over to their new identity. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a really fun yeah, little reminder that they're these cover identities are pretty fragile. Yeah, gosh, it, it it's like it slides off. Like if you've seen that cast iron uh, like video that's been going around <laughs> about that dude with eighty layers of seasoning. My God! <laughs> oh, you crack an egg into that thing and it'll just levitate. Cover. <laughs> oh, and we need to talk about Harold's best line of this episode. Which is when they're at the new base. Um, Harold says to them, I couldn't stand by watching my friends risking their lives for something I began. And I'm just like, buddy, please, I want to hug you. Heart eyes, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Finch. Everything's, everything's, don't worry, everything's going to be pain. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a, a, a certain way of putting it. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so I'm looking at our next two episodes. Oh, and uh, what do we got? Okay, so our, our next two episodes are episodes three and four of season four, Wigman and Brotherhood. Um, Brotherhood is a um, believe it's 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 a, it, like Brotherhood is it, it's a fine like crime thriller episode. Wigman is the one with the not a pickup artist. Um, like it, it's it's like it's decidedly oh incredibly yes, I less remember this episode. This. Um, <laughs> this is such a bananas weird episode. This is it's yeah. Oh god, this is it's so much like it's like really awkward at first, but it's a lot of fun. I think I I think I volunteered to do the summary on that one. Yeah, no, Sight I unseen. think I think you're going to enjoy it. It's a fun. It's like it's a very fun Fusco episode. Yes, um, oh my Fusco. God. I I can I still this cannot is believe an enormously Fusco centric episode. Yeah, I cannot believe that he like when when we started recording these, I would not have guessed that Fusco would be potentially my favorite character on the show. Like, yeah. that he would be this good. Oh yeah, Brotherhood is more plotty, but way less fun than yeah, like Fusco. Yeah. Okay, I think what it is is Fusco's just a weird little guy. Yeah. He's just a weird little guy, and he's like, he's that perfect, like, 
He's he's the quirk of the show. (laughs) 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 That is a take. And I don't hate it. You're not (laughs) wrong. And on that note, until next time, we are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license.